Emotions went from being felt throughout the city of Cincinnati. What is his name? I'm so nervous and I'm so scared for these kids. To surrounding neighborhoods, voices big and small fighting to be heard, shining a light on the issue of humanity. I believe that black lives should be treated like other people should be treated. Well, the people that say black lives matter, it made me proud, happy. It made me feel like I was the focus now, how to move forward, addressing a nationwide call to defund the police and make continual policy changes. We really need to get law enforcement around the nation on the same page. We delve into how to put action behind words in the midst of two pandemics on this edition of Let's Talk Cincy. From WLWT, this is Let's Talk Cincy, presented by Western and Southern Financial Group. Put our financial strength behind you. We find ourselves at a familiar place uttering a persistent question that has challenged the struggle for human rights and justice for many decades. If not now, when? Hello everyone, I'm Curtis Fuller. And I'm Alexis Rogers. Making tangible changes is what many local leaders say the focus needs to be on. Demands have been given and now organizers tell us that it's time to get beyond them. So what I don't want to do is get caught up in, you know, us coming to terms on a few demands here and there and seeing a few policy changes here and there. And then the people who want to kill us can find their way around those demands and those those laws like they've done throughout history. We see we've seen so many people black and not black out here asking for the same demands. Where do we go from here? This is a really tough question to ask and it's hard for me as one person to voice an opinion for an entire community, but um, looking specifically at curfew about how it disadvantaged us. Our curfew was released an hour before it was implemented. It was only released in English, affecting our um, Spanish-speaking communities. It is disproportionately affecting homeless people, which are disproportionately black. The impunity of the police force and the systems that uphold it is what has led to these instances of violence against our citizens. People not being held accountable for their actions. Um, the man that murdered George Floyd had already had, I, I believe, 17 instances of police violence, and he had never been held accountable. And had he been, George Floyd may be here today. We want to refocus police resources on training, de-escalation, and community building um, instead of on, I, I believe I saw a statistic that said one riot gear uniform could uh, pay for like 60 PPE uniforms for doctors. So we want to focus on helping our community instead of supplying our police force with fancy equipment. I will say I would really, just my big takeaway is to get our officers involved in the communities. I, just to make us feel, you're there to protect us. Um, I know a lot of us feel like, who do we call when the people who are supposed to protect us are against us? Um, our city leaders, and it goes beyond our city leaders, our state representatives, um, getting out and voting, that is a very big thing. Um, and just facing me facing my trauma and the things that I've gone through in the past five days, um, just continue to fight and just continue to push on um, and just, just keep going, don't stop. It seems that right now we're at a time where it's prime to birth a lot of new leaders and we can implement a lot of new strategies. So I would like to see just the people stand up and rise to the occasion and 
come up with some new strategies that can actually move us forward in the long term rather than short-term solutions that'll have us right back here. New strategies, and I, you were here when the collaborative agreement was yeah. first started, so it's interesting to see the new and young leaders really look at that and say, we want some different changes. Yeah, they have a strong voice, no doubt about it. Well, improving training for police officers. Cincinnati's top cop discussing the efforts underway in his department. What do we do next after the rally ends, after the protest ends, what's next? And how do we change policy? How do we change how policing is done in our country? From protests to progress, Cincinnati Police Chief Elliot Isaac remembers the civil unrest in Cincinnati nearly 20 years ago, sparked by the police deadly shooting of Timothy Thomas, an unarmed African-American young man. He says the tragedy transformed his department. Here in Cincinnati, I know oftentimes people talk about what are we doing around implicit bias? What kind of training are we doing around that? Just in the past year, you know, I brought three different trainings here. We've done fair and impartial policing uh, that's been uh, sponsored by the Department of Justice. We brought a professional in from L.A. to teach about constitutional and procedural justice. We also had another training about empathy through history that we took the entire department through that really talked about the plight of African-Americans in this country and the role that, all, that law enforcement has played in that. And all, and all the entire department has in the entire department and we 1100 people with 1100 people and, and and it's no easy task to train that many people particularly in a short period of time but it's something that's important it's something that we've done people talk about transparency and body worn cameras i think we have a very strong body worn camera policy we have one of the strongest one in the nation continuing to still expand that we just signed a contract with Axon to be able to have more capability with that, to be able to be transparent in all that we do. Uh, we continue to look for opportunities to tweak any of our procedures, particularly our use of force policy. We talk about de-escalation. De-escalation is interwoven into all of the work and all of the training that we do. People ask me often, how many hours of training do your officers get in de-escalation? Well, we don't just limit it to 10, 20 hours. It's interwoven into all of our training, into our, de uh, our defensive tactics, into our firearms, into our less lethal, lethal activities. The goal is always to de-escalate a situation so that it never rises to the level where any force is used. You know, Elliot Isaac has a great perspective about mm. where the police department was before 2001. He's been on the force now for 32 years, so he's seen the transformation. He will be the first to tell you there is much more that needs to be done, mm -hmm. but there has definitely been an amazing change from before 2001. He's been a part of this community for a very long time. Yeah. Interesting perspective. We will continue our conversation with Chief Isaac in just a moment. He talks about diversity within the ranks, how CPD is working to make the force reflect the people it serves.
I think there is a, a movement in this country that is larger than any I've seen that I can remember in my lifetime around building a more diverse and inclusive America. And I think it's going to impact the whole country in a positive way, and, I, and my hope is this city as well. Being diverse, being inclusive, a part of so many underlying conversations that are among or coming to the surface now. As leaders in the entire community work through these conversations, there are many being had behind the police shield as well, specifically about the reality of recruitment and being black and dealing with the trauma of being black and still trying to protect and serve. Well, recruitment has become a challenge nationally for most of the police departments. Years ago, we had thousands of people that wanted to be police officers. We've seen that number decrease over the years. We believe in diversity and uh, the importance of it. We go to HBCUs. We intentionally focus on uh, people of color to recruit to, to join the police department. We even try our local high schools. We're working to create a pipeline right now for particularly for our Cincinnati public schools to come into the police and fire ranks. We've had, uh, I've been before council uh, talking about those to create that mechanism to, so we do quite a bit in order to recruit uh, people of color onto our department. I would say there's, there's two issues. One, African Americans will not apply. A lot will not apply. I have several family members who I've tried to recruit to become police officers and they will not take the test. But here's the other thing, Alexa, is that there's a history. Mm -hmm. There's a history of brutality in policing across America and black communities. And until those images can be changed and we begin to flip that and, and begin to have positive images and positive relationships between police and, and black folk in their communities, then more blacks will begin to apply and become police officers. I think that's our biggest obstacle, is the history. I mean, you can talk to any African-American across the country, they can give you a horror story. I can give you one. So I think that's our hugest obstacle right there. I can as well, I wanna add on that too, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I strongly encourage the best way to change a system is from the inside out yes, as it well. Is. So we need those, and I, and I understand. I, I have my own story as well. I've shared that a number of times in a number of different venues uh, that motivated me to become a police officer. But people of color are needed. Yeah. We need, we need African Americans on this police department. Yes, we, we need women. We need diversity of all types uh, to make this police department be reflective of the community that it serves. Okay. So we have a question from a viewer. I'd like to know if there are rubber bullets being used by any of the law enforcement agencies that we've seen in downtown Cincinnati. This would include not just CPD, but the Hamilton County Sheriff, as well as the SWAT team. I can't tell you what Hamilton County Sheriff uses, but what I've seen often, and I've seen an example of what someone has said was a rubber bullet, what they are are the pepper ball, very similar to a paintball. They're compressed uh, OC gas pellets with the intent that we, we fire into the concrete to disperse uh, pepper spray into the air. I believe that in a number of crowd, a number of those may have ricocheted and a number of people have shown me that they may have been hit with these, but it's not rubber bullets now. I don't believe we've intentionally gassed any innocent person. Uh, what I have seen 
and I've experienced some gas on me because of the wind and the direction that it blows. But there are people that may be there for, for peaceful reasons, but they're intermingled into a crowd that are throwing rocks and bottles. And when we deploy gas, it's very possible that they have been exposed to the gas as well. I was having a conversation with my grandmother and we were talking about W.E.B. Du Bois's double consciousness, right? And I told her that that's how I feel sometimes as a journalist, as a black journalist, is that I'm dealing with a certain trauma at home and then I have to act accordingly at work. Talk to me about that from the standpoint of being a black police officer. Sometimes it can be a struggle. You know, I think it is definitely a challenge. I, I feel the sting of being an African-American. I've experienced what I felt have been unfair treatment by police officers myself. Here I am. I am the police chief of a major city police department. When I'm around Cincinnati, I'm fairly commonly known. When I visit other cities, I am not. When I'm traveling through other cities, it's still after nearly 32 years of law enforcement. It still rings in my mind. I need to be careful. I need to be mindful of what I'm doing when I encounter a police officer well, uh, as well. It's still there. I also am concerned about the encounters of our young people. Uh, I don't have any sons, but I have a lot of nephews that I am very concerned about as well. So this is very real. I see it, I see it from all perspectives. But I also know the work of, of so many of our officers and the intent that they have to try to overcome this history. We've got a lot of work to still do. Such a candid conversation. Oh, wow. A very candid conversation. And that's not the only one that's happening either. Corporate leaders in Cincinnati are making a strong statement in the push for social justice and racial healing. You know, their actions show how far we've come, but they also remind us of how much work we still have to do. We really are at a seminal moment, I think, uh, in this community and in the world right now. We have to drive change. We have to drive hard discussions. They have every right to be angry. What is his name? What is his name? But how do we how do we fix this and how do we come together? From global giant Procter & Gamble to the nearly 150-year-old Cincinnati Bell, the corporate voice is being heard about race, bias, and the choices we make. This is PNG's latest national ad campaign. It's called The Choice, intended to spark conversations, leading to understanding and action. So we're doing a number of things really just to raise the level of awareness of the bias that exists really throughout our society and more importantly get people to step up and move just from having thoughts and prayers to taking you know smart tangible action. At Cincinnati Bell at the request of some of its workers all employees across North America stopped work on Thursday for eight minutes and 46 seconds in honor of George Floyd. What this tragedy really represents is, is, is an opportunity for us to have the right dialogue. Be open to hearing others. Be open to examples. Be open to change. Kroger created a $5 million fund to support equality and justice. 
and Skyline announced a quarter million dollar donation to the Greater Cincinnati Foundation's Racial Justice Fund. But the message right now is that everybody can do something. Uh, everyone has a role to play. So if you are an individual, it starts with yourself. It starts with the people sitting around your dinner table. It starts with your friends and family. Yeah, this is uh, an amazing spot, the PNG. Yes. And I know that you've done some stories on their previous mm -hmm. campaigns, but uh, many companies are getting involved. Cincinnati Bell actually has started small group listening sessions. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. And Procter & Gamble has a special section on its website called Take on Race, ways for you to get involved to help transform equality from a dream to reality. Well, when Let's Talk Cincy returns, the political, will it take to see progress in greater Cincinnati, what local leaders say is key to improving race relations. The real heart of these issues are not going to be solved until we deal with the economic reality in our country that has served to extort value from black lives and bodies for more than 400 years. Now, I want you to consider this. There is a reality of responsibility that has to be taken in order to move forward. Activists, lawmakers, and community members alike agree on this fact. And it really comes down to a plan of action. Policing, training, the collaborative agreement are all pieces to that puzzle. Being intentional in how to move forward is the next bit of this conversation. We have one viewer who asked as far as when it comes to policing and your thoughts on this, is it possible to have mandatory review boards, give the power back to the people, do something like every quarter list of all the arrests and arresting officers and body cam videos, and if the review board dreams an action of an officer unjust or his, his or her ability is unfit, then to have an open investigation, but to continue going back to the review board with community members. What's your take on that viewer question or suggestion? I think it's possible. You need several ingredients in the pot. You need the political will because it will requ require local government, no matter where you are, to participate um, because police are part of the government, so you need that. It takes the will of the police union to be open, to be honest, and to be prepared to be uncomfortable. And it takes the will of the community to sustain and stay there and make sure that it is representative of what they want to see and how they want to see it done. As far as folks on council, what's your take on that suggestion from a constituent? Yeah, I totally agree with Iris. I think, um, you know, we have to look and see what our, our citizens want. Um, you know, that's not unreasonable at all. And, and we're all involved in this together. And so to have oversight by, by a citizens group is, is, is fantastic. You know, we're all working together on this. I would just add, um, I think Iris said, you know, Cincinnati, based on um, the killing of Timothy Thomas in 2001, we've had this collaborative agreement that gave us many gifts, right, to be better than we were before. And I think one of the challenges, we've let them lapse, lapse when what we really need to do is double down 
and lean in. So you talk about the citizen's complaint authority. It's not fully funded right now. You have a body here that can do a lot of work, but it's $170,000 short. That's on us, the policymakers, to make sure that it's fully funded. But what are you seeing? Do you think that there needs to be more accountability and more togetherness with community partners like yourselves when it comes to policing and the life that we live here in Cincinnati? I think the accountability also rests with the community. Um, we elect our elected officials, but they can only enact policy based upon the pressure that we continue to give them relative to being responsible and responsive to our needs. So it is definitely a collaboration, as both council members have said and Iris. Um, the community needs to remain educated, informed, and show up at meetings, ask questions, and hold accountable those that they elect. A lot of what I'm hearing is um, around calls for everyone to feel safety, everyone to feel justice, to feel like the community is empowered to act and that there are avenues for accountability of different government bodies. And what's interesting to me is I think that's something we can all agree on, actually. That, that's a place where we can come together. Um, but as was said earlier, there's some concrete steps that need to happen, and that's also what I'm hearing is the Citizens Complaint Authority needs to have director hired. It needs mm -hmm. to be funded so that they can do those investigations that you mentioned in a timely way as they're supposed to. What's a tangible solution to any one of these problems? And I think uh, the responsibility for members of council uh, and I think it's been echoed here, is that we have to get back to a, point, a place of checks and balances. No one is above the law. No one is above the law. No one is above the law. And that's, that's just the way it is. These are, you know, people all ages, mainly our young people out here saying, you know, we need to see change. They're bringing this conversation. Um, they're, they're supporting the work that the collaborative agreement started. Um, and so this is, this is really moving us forward. They're helping us to move forward. I do think we as policymakers have a serious and heavy responsibility to think about how we're changing the entire system. I think that's the only way that there's going to be meaningful progress and not just, you know, there was one barbaric incident and we all took to the streets waiting until it happened again. We can't wait till it happens again. We need the policies in place that say the whole point is to change the system, smash the system so that it doesn't happen again. And of course, now the collaborative agreement has more funding. Yeah. And by the way, thank you. Right? Yeah, yeah we want to we want to thank uh, council members Jan Michelle Lemon Kearney and also PG Sittenfeld mm -hmm. for helping us. We did that all down at City Hall, which mm -hmm. was uh, very good in light good of place uh, to have that conversation. Oh, uh, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it was a good conversation. We are going to continue having more conversations, great voices. But now, thanks for joining us for this edition of Let's Talk Sensei. We want to hear from you. Email us all of your ideas at LTC at WLWT.com. You can also see full episodes and stories from Let's Talk Cincy by going to the menu tab on WLWT.com and clicking on Let's Talk Cincy. You stay encouraged.